Welcome to Free to Learn, a podcast exploring the stories of formerly incarcerated college students. My name is Jason Frank. I'm an instructional designer at Santa Fe College, and I'm interested in better understanding how we can create a learning environment that better meets the needs of these students. The first step to good design is listening to the people you're working to support. We're continuing our conversation with Beth Dodd. If you haven't listened to part one of this interview, I'd recommend going back and listening to that first. Beth's educational journey has been the result of having a clear goal, fierce resolve, and the fortune of key advocates at key moments. She has a lot that she can teach us about how to support some of our most vulnerable students. Let's get back to the interview. You, you mentioned you really loved the library. What did, what did you love about the library? I've just always been a library lover, honestly. One of the when I first got out, I never had a, a smartphone. You know, like Google and everything came out while I was in prison. So um, I, I got the little smartphone. I got on Facebook, and one of my first pictures is me at the library. I was so excited. I just I love books. I just and I, and I love you know like anything in the world. It's it's kind of like Google. I love. Any question in the world that you have, you can just type into the little computer. There's your answer. And, the, you know, the library is the same way. Like, yeah. anything in the world you want to know, there's a book on it somewhere. You know, and, and even, you know, not everybody knows this, but if, if the book's not at your library, you can often request it. Mm -hmm. So, like, any book in the world, anything in the world you want to know, it's right there. I just love it. I, I crave information. I love books. Where do you think that comes from? My dad. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, actually, I have a dad and a stepdad, and they both are big readers. Yeah. Um, my dad used to take me to the library. Well, not to the, the bookstore, you know, and we would go and, and get books, and then they were used bookstores. So you could take the book back after you've yeah. read it and then trade it in for money and get more books and then take the book back, and, you know, so um, I just, I've always liked to read. What's a favorite book of yours? Oh, gosh. Now I'm on the spot. You are on the spot. <laughs> you know, I I went through... So this is so dorky. But when I was in prison, um, I, I really wanted to make sure that I didn't come out seeming like I was in prison for all that time. So I, I went through the classic section at the library, and I read a ridiculous amount of classics. And I was... Able, I had a pen pal that used to turn me on to books, and I have to say some of the the um, the Charles Dickens books. I know oh. they're they're so long and so dorky, but like some of them, like they were just so good. Like yeah. if you could make it through it to the end, yeah. I mean, like it's it's effort, you know. But like just the twists and turns and everything, like I just like those. And I really liked. Um, it sounds so stupid because it was in prison, but like I liked Crime and Punishment. That was one of my favorite because I loved the way that it followed like his mental breakdown from mm -hmm. guilt, you know, and he was sick too. So he's got this fever and he's just like, I just love the way that he was able to create this internal dialogue as you know he's just so paranoid like do people know do people not know you know like what is going on and you don't really know i just i just loved it and it sounds so silly because i'm like oh yeah i'm in prison reading crime and punishment but it was such a good book like i read a couple of his books and and like they were just so good well, that's the, those are great answers <laughs> um did you get into 
any clubs or extracurriculars while you're at Santa Fe? I did not. I, you know, I saw that they existed, um, and I wanted to. They seemed like, especially, uh, I like to garden, and I've always been interested in growing food and, and you know, not so much flowers. But I, flowers are good, too. But I've li- I like the idea of, of you know, um, sustainable living and, and gardening and, you know, crafting and stuff like that. And I saw that there was a organic gardening club, mm-hmm. and that seemed like something I would really like to do, but... I just didn't feel like I had the time to do that. You know, I was, you know, like I said, I was I was yeah. going to school part-time. I was working full-time. And I ended up getting myself into just so many strange situations that were taking up a lot of my time. And without, like, getting sidetracked into, you know, all my personal drama. But, like, my partner and I... Um, we're taking care of her nephew for a short period of time. And then like, we just kind of had a, a stream of people in our lives that we had to, you know, help out in emergencies. And then, you know, so dealing with making sure I could take, I could take care of myself and making sure I could pass my classes. And then sometimes taking care of these extra people, like time for a class or a club or something like, it just didn't seem attainable. And I mean, some of them, you know, like I, I kind of got the feeling and there's maybe it's just all in my head, but I kind of felt like maybe if I went there, I would be the oldest one there and it would just be awkward. You know, like there, yeah. it was like I got the impression maybe it was for people that had just graduated high school and here I am, this old person showing up to hang out with them. So I don't know. It just it didn't seem like something that was for me. But I mean, maybe it could have been and I just didn't try, but yeah, I didn't do it. When you were at Santa Fe, did you buy any um, uh, college swag? Did you have any T-shirts or sweatshirts or anything like that? I didn't. Money was really tight. Mm-hmm. So if it was not edible and it was not a bill, I did not spend money on it. You know, I, I mean, every once in a while I go and buy a snack from the from the bookstore or something yeah. when I have to stay all day. But I didn't have money to spend on anything that wasn't necessary. I do have uh, Santa Fe sweatpants that Bill gave me, okay. <laughs> but that's that's the only Santa Fe swag that I have. And I mean, it's unfortunate. It's not lack of pride. Sure. I did love it yeah. here, but it's just lack of cash. So when you were when you were going to school, how important was it for you to let other people know that you were attending Santa Fe? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. I just. I mean. Again, I wasn't really socializing. Like, I literally yeah. went to school and work. So, I mean, my school knew I was at school, and my work knew I was at school, and there was really nobody else in my life. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm getting to the point now, like I said, I'm I'm more financially secure, so I, I have expendable money that I can go and do things that aren't immediately beneficial, you know, but... Um, but back then, I really, I was just focused on work and school. Like, that was the only thing in my life. And, like, nothing else mattered. When you were at Santa Fe, did you uh, take advantage of any of the services that the college offered? Any? Um, I can't really think of any. And, again, it might have just been me not knowing things were available yeah. you know because now that i'm a little older and i've had time to look at like i realize like there's a health clinic here yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't realize that back then. You know, there's counseling service. I didn't really, I didn't really look into it that much. Like I literally was just zeroed in on this is what I need to do to pass mm. my class. This is what I need to do to pay my bills and absolutely nothing else was in my vision, you know, and I, I kind of, I probably missed out on a lot of things, but like, I really only cared that I did not become homeless and I did not yeah. fail classes. Like that's all I cared about. You thinking back, is there anything that the college could have done to have, um, uh, you know, uh, to support you better? You anything know, that I you think... would have wanted? I think maybe when I was enrolling, if somebody could have just talked to me, you know, like maybe that first day and, and I, I know I keep coming back to that whole short semester thing, but you know, if anybody would have just told me like, Hey, let me just give you an overview. Like when you see a semester with letters after it, this is what it means. Yeah. All these buildings, like, I didn't ever look in any of the other buildings. So, you know, I know that there's a little map or whatever, but if somebody would have been like, hey, these other things are not classrooms. These are actually places you, you can go, you know, and this is what happens in those those buildings. You know, like, maybe, you know, just like a 30-minute introduction to what else there is here besides classrooms because I just didn't realize, you know, I didn't. You know, I, I saw that there were things going on, but I just didn't, I didn't, they were just weren't on my radar. I just didn't know. I just didn't know. Like I didn't, I didn't have any experience. I didn't know to go looking for them. I didn't know to ask for them. Sure. You know, I just, I just kind of literally said, oh, my class is in G10. That's the only place I'm going to go on campus for the rest of the semester. Yeah. G10, period. Back to the bus stop to go home. So you didn't. You never went to any sports games or any plays or anything. No. No, I don't think so. Not until after I graduated. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I went to a couple after I graduated, but I mean, I just nothing. <laughs> like I can't even stress how scared I was that I was gonna fail when I got out. Like I was so worried that you know I was not gonna be able to take care of myself. That I. That was the only thing on my mind: pay bills, finish school period. Mm -hmm. So what kind of student would you describe yourself as? Um, definitely driven. Um, a little anxious. I mean, even now, I every single semester, I tell myself, oh, I don't know if I'm going to pass this one. This might be my last semester before that's, you know, I'm just going to have to call it quits. But then every semester I get like an A or B. So, I mean, clearly it's, you know, it's just, you know, like I said, it's terror of, of, of failure, but, um, you know, I, I do my assignments, I do them on time. I, I am often, so I don't mind talking to strangers. So I'm often, um, the one to like ask a question in mm -hmm. class or introduce myself to a, a classmate or like engage them in something. Um, especially as I've gotten older and I'm a little bit more confident, you know, I don't mind you know, reaching out and saying, hey, you know, do you know how to do this assignment? So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I would say I'm focused and um, interactive, you know, maybe not so much, you know, my first couple years, I was more just focused, but now I'm, I'm more comfortable just, you know, asking questions, starting to cut discussions. Um, but number one thing is focused, <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah. I absolutely just, I have to keep going and I cannot fail.
Ha, um, have you, has any of the technology been a barrier for you? So, you know, luckily when I was growing up, my dad always had a computer. So I was pretty comfortable, you know, working on computers. I, I didn't have that fear that some people have. Like, I know if you didn't grow up with computers, you're always worried the button that you press might be the one that kills it. You know, and I am not afraid to press any buttons. Um, and, and now that there's Google, you know, I'm willing to Google, like, how do you get your computer to do this? Or yeah. where do you get this program? So I, I was really lucky to, to catch on to the technology quickly. Um, I don't think that there's been anything. I will say that digital textbooks have been really troublesome. You know, I haven't found a good way to utilize those. Um, and like my, my new school, it's mostly digital textbooks. And I've, I've really struggled with that. But um, other than that, everything seems to be pretty straightforward. You know, it took me, it took some getting used to, you know, on Canvas, you know, learning mm -hmm. where all the buttons were and how to submit things. But um it's it seemed to be pretty intuitive for me. I've been really lucky to just be technology savvy. So, um, so you're taking online classes now. Did you do any on online classes while you were at Santa Fe? I did do some. I think I did some. Maybe they were hybrid. I don't remember. So I not during my AA. I think everything I did for the AA was um, in person. But then when I graduated, I started a bachelor's in. Um, organizational management mm -hmm. and I got a few classes in there and I want to say several of those were hybrid and it might have been like maybe the last couple classes of my AA were hybrid because I was working more full-time then yeah. and I just like it was it was convenient for me um I don't I don't think I did any completely online here though I think that I always had at least one or two days in the classroom but now, now it's all online. Completely. And so how, how would you compare or contrast your experience online with face-to-face? -face? I actually prefer, so that's hard because what I like about online is I can do it at nighttime when I get off of work and I can do it on the weekends. Um, that is extremely helpful because then I don't have the anxiety of how am I going to get to class on time? Mm -hmm. You know, am I like I did take some night classes. Um, they were like five thirty to seven thirty here. You so I was able to work all day and then come here at night. You know, but even that, like I was starving by the end of it. You know, it was just and then because I had to leave a little bit early, I had to extend my work schedule on the other days, and I was working twelve hour days. It was just the in person. I really like being able to just have that conversation with the teacher and the other students, but but what you pay in in just the scheduling nightmare and just the the physical struggle of getting there and back and you know coordinating dinner and getting home and all it was just it's not worth it. You know, I would rather give up that aspect of class and and go only when I have time. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so if I get off work at 5:30, it's fine. I'll just log on later. If I get off at 7.30, it's fine. I'll just log on later. If I have to spend all weekend, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, but I lose being able to ask the teacher a question when I come up with it. You know, yeah. like that. I really, it's, 
especially in these harder classes, it's it's so nice to just say, hey, I have no idea what you're talking about. Could you repeat that, explain it in a different way? And that, that option is not available online. You know, you can send in an email. Maybe they'll reply in a week. By then, the homework was due. And, you, you know, like, it's kind of back to the course credit by examination. It's kind of like you just do the work and hope for the best now. But it's 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 a trade off. You either you either get the convenience of of working when you are available, or you get the the benefit of being able to ask questions, you know, as they come up. And, yeah. So, what have been some of your favorite classes? I really liked accounting. So I had a teacher here at Santa Fe, and I just I liked him so much. And and accounting seems like such a boring class, but just it was it was fun to me, and I really enjoyed. I think I took two semesters of it when I was doing that bachelor's for organizational management, and you know I really enjoyed that. And what was it about that instructor? I liked his sense of humor, and he was I was one of again one of the older students in the class, and sometimes he would just tell jokes. And none of the other students would get it, but I would understand. <laughs> and so like, we'd have this shared, like, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of nice. Like, it was kind of being in the old person's club in school. <laughs> like, I got it. You know, while everybody else was just sitting there like, what is he talking about? So, you know, he was just kind of sarcastic and, and, you know, but I don't... Either the jokes weren't really that funny and only I thought they were funny or nobody else got them. I don't know what yeah. it was, but I just got a kick out of it. Um, so what, what do you think makes for a good college instructor? Willingness to meet people where they're at. So I've, I've had some, some teachers that I am eternally grateful that, you know, like towards the last few years I was going to Santa Fe, my personal life was just a disaster and you know I've I've had several teachers where I would just tell them hey you know things at home are insane right now I am doing my best you know and and having the willingness for them to work with me and you know maybe let me turn in assignments later or you know like show my work if I you know just just being understanding because a lot of people in a community college like they're not there because everything is perfect you know like it's it's a step to university sometimes it's a it's a step to a certificate you know it's it's not this ideal situation of where you graduate and then go off to university and get some great job like for some reason there is a, a need that people have that bring them to the community college and you like you have to understand like there's there's other things going on that that bring people here. It's not like we're not just going to school, you know, because it's the next step. Like there, there's there's other stuff going on. I don't know how to explain it, but there's, you know, yeah. there's either not the money to go to university or there was, you know, not the time. Like maybe they're doing part time or maybe they're, you know, ad adults coming back for, you know, classes to get their career leveled up. You know, there's just. There's so many different situations. At, at the university, the situation is, well, they graduated high school, you know, but here the situation could be anything. So having a teacher that understands, like, everybody's got stuff going on is really, really helpful. So, so you know, you, you talk, you've talked about this. The, it's called the Zen? Mm -hmm. It was a Gateless Gate Zen Center. Okay, the Zen Center. 
uh, as being pretty important. Like how integral was that to your success at college and to your success at, you know, uh, reintegrating? Um, I, I don't know if it was important once I got into college, but getting started, it was huge because that was part of my reason for coming here instead of going back to Atlanta is that I just thought, well, it would be good if I went somewhere where people already knew the steps because, you know, I, I mean, he literally drove me to the college and took me to the, the, um, enrollment. I don't remember even what it's called, but you know, like registration area and, and help me sign up. And I mean, I, I'm not saying that I'm slow, but I, I'm not sure that I would have just thought to do all of those things on my own. You know, I don't, I don't know if I would have gotten overwhelmed and been like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know what to do now. Um, and certainly I would have never known where to download that criminal history thing. Like he had to help me do that. And, you know, I, I think, I think having someone who had been through it before was extremely important, even though he himself had not you know, been through it, he knew ex exactly what steps I needed to take in order to get where I was going. And once I got going, I was good, you know, but knowing where to start, having someone that knew where to start was extremely important. You knew where to look for the documents I needed, what office to go to, you know, what paperwork I needed to fill out. You know, I would not have known that just instinctively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. So in terms of like post, you know, post-college, post-university, in your mind, what, what are the characteristics of a, a good job or career? Right? What, are you, what are you hoping for or aspiring for in that area? Um, I think what would make a job good is not having to worry paycheck to paycheck. You know, not being terrified of getting sick. And, you know, worry that, oh, if I get a cold and I have to call out, you know, am I still going to be able to pay rent? You know, I, right now I have a job that has great health benefits and PTO. And I mean, that has allowed me to feel like I can finally start living an actual life that doesn't just involve school and work. You know, I, I you know bought tickets to a concert or I, I was able to go visit my family for a week, you know, have paid time off, you know, paid time off is huge. Um, when I first got out, you know, if you call in sick, you don't get paid, yeah. you know, and if you actually are sick and you have to go to the doctor, well, that costs money. Not only are you not getting paid, but now it costs money too. And God help you. Like I got mono, um, I want to say a couple years after I got out and I missed work for a week, you know, <laughs> like it was devastating, you know, and I was still sick and I had to go back to work because I couldn't live without working, Yeah, you know, but so I, I think that the job, what makes the job good is knowing that no matter what happens that you're, you're secure you know, you're, you're still going to be able to live in your house. You're still going to be able to eat food. You know, you're, you're still going to be able to buy dog food, you know, it's, and it, I don't want to sound like I'm, it's nice to be able to go to the grocery store and just put stuff in the cart because it looks good, 
and not, you know, have a running, you know, list in your mind, like, oh, that was $5. And then, you know, okay, I'm adding another dollar. And then, you know, well, if I add this, then I'm going to have to like maybe cut back on gas or, you know, like it's, it's nice to just know that I can afford to be alive, you know, like that's, yeah. that is nice. So I'd, I'd say that's definitely what I look for in a good job. And that's, I mean, that's, that's my goal. And, you know, the reason I'm still going to school is because I, like, I hear this thing called retirement would be really nice, yeah. you know, and I missed 12 and a half years of working. So I don't, like, even Social Security, I haven't been paying into Social Security. So I absolutely have to make up with it with, from, with my own cash. So, you know, I, having a job that I feel like I won't be working when I'm 80, you know, is, is a good job, you know, having a job where I maybe could retire at some point, you know, and actually, you know, have what's considered the good life, you know, take vacations, mm. buy presents for people at Christmas, yeah, things like that. So do you have any, other, do you have any personal goals? I mean, as far as life goes? Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of, I hit a lot of my, my, my main goals were to graduate from school, buy a house, you know, get, get a secure job. And I've, I've done that. And like, I've, I've wanted to start a family and I have not done so well at that for other reasons, you know, cause it turns out, you know, like, it's just not as easy as you think it's going to be. Um, I would like to, um, do more traveling. Yeah, I, I was lucky when I was younger, my dad was in the military, so I was able to see a lot of the United States oh, okay. just by visiting my dad. I even lived overseas. You know, I lived in Japan for two and a half years, I think it was, you know, so I'd, I'd like to see more of the world so that, I mean, that is a goal. It's, it's not super important it's not like what i'm waking up every day and, and working mm -hmm. towards you know but it's it's kind of like something floating off you know like oh you know if i put enough away that would be nice but i mean i kind of i think right now my goals from here on out is just to to actually make time to enjoy life you know i i, I i've hit a level where i'm comfortable but now it would just be nice to, to take my nose out of the books and and, and step away from work and, and actually go do things now. So, I mean, it's not like one specific goal. It's just kind of a general goal, like live life now. Yeah. So do you, do you uh, consider yourself a part of any kinds of communities? Um, I mean, I'm gay, so I, I guess that, you know, like that's a community but i don't i'm a vegetarian so that's a yeah. pretty strong community there like i'm not vegan so i don't quite fit into that club but <laughs> but um you know i i, I don't i kind of get along with everybody so yeah. i don't i wouldn't say that i'm just like looking for a certain community to hang out with you know i've got a, a wide variety of friends that i've met at different jobs that you know you wouldn't necessarily think that we would hang out with each other but we do because we've mm -hmm. met each other we yeah. find common ground um but i i would say that the 
the LGBTQ community is probably one that I typically, you know, identify with when I when I go somewhere or I go to a lot of vegetarian festivals like the Veg Fest and stuff like sure. that. So I, you know, I usually if if I can find somebody who's vegetarian, we have a lot to talk about because I like to cook, I like to garden, so. And then I recently discovered Reddit, which, like, I didn't, I didn't, like, I knew about Facebook when I was yeah. in prison. Like, everybody talks about Facebook, but nobody really talked about Reddit. And, I, like, there are so many communities on there. Like, oh, my God. It's so much better than Facebook because, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's easier to find really personalized areas of reddit easier than it is on facebook so like i'm on these these groups called breadit you're like people that like to bake bread or you know gardening groups and and it's quilting groups and sewing mm. groups like i really like that so I've, I've got a lot of communities on there that i i'm pretty active you know posting pictures and comments and stuff like that but um like in real life i really just get along with everybody i just i just like people really <laughs> Um, so at, you know, what are your, how do you see yourself um, growing and learning after college? I'd like to stop. Yeah, you'd like to stop growing and <laughs> yes. learning? I would like to take a break from all of that learning. Uh, I've been in school for the last 10 years, yeah. you know, like every semester. I did take a little break. So when COVID hit and like I just had to take a break from that and we had some kids living with us at the time when COVID hit so I was suddenly working online and then doing online school for those two kids and then doing my online classes you know and it was just like after that I needed a break so I I, I want to say I was out for about a year or so but I mean other than that I've been taking classes almost continuously since I got out um and I really look forward to the day that the classes stop. I really do. <laughs> um, and not so much the classes. I do enjoy learning, but I don't like homework looming over me. Like, after a long day at work, I do not want to come home and do homework. Yeah. It's just, it's so old. I'm so over it. But, you know, maybe independently learning more about, I like, I really like crafting and gardening and stuff like that. So I'd like to, you know, I wouldn't say that that is... It is educational. It absolutely is. But it's not as structured as doing homework every day for years. <laughs> so I, I would say, like, I would like to move into growing and learning on, on, on like, my hobbies. Yeah. I want to focus more Fair on my enough. hobbies yeah. and not my job. So um, when we were talking last week, you talked about, like, kind of reaching out to colleges um, and and the lack of response that you got. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was really a nightmare. Um, so it, it's very hard to get any information at all in prison to start with because it's not like there's an internet to get on there. Like everything is pen and paper, you know, sending out envelopes with a stamp and hoping that someone replies. And, you know, like sometimes I could ask someone, you know, in my family or my friends, like, hey, will you print me out the addresses of some schools that have this and they'd send you a piece of paper and you set, you know, so I was, let me back up. I was really interested in um, architectural engineering when I first decided that I wanted to go back to school and, you know, like I had this, this path figured out. 
um, when I was in the drafting class, I learned about something called architectural engineering, and it just sounded really cool. And in my I, in my head, what would be involved was, you know, like you're making the bones of these buildings. And like, I don't really care what the buildings look like. So I'm not really interested in architecture, but I am interested in how the buildings work. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that would be what an architectural engineer did. So I had some friends and family look up schools that offer architectural engineering. And it's not really very popular at all. There's only like maybe six schools in the whole country that have it. So I wrote to all of them. And most of them ignored me. Um, but there was one teacher at Illinois Institute of Technology that answered me back. And so the, the general questions I was asking is like, hey, I'm in prison, but when I get out, I would like to go to school. I'm interested in this major. What should I do to prepare myself so that when I can get out, I can just enroll and start moving? And um, he actually gave me suggestions of classes that I should focus on. He told me when I came to the campus to come find him, he, you know, helped me figure out what I needed to do next. He was so sweet and so helpful. And I, I still write to him. He's like, he's on my little LinkedIn and, you know, I check in with him, you know, every six months or a year or so. And, you know, I was just so grateful to get that one response, you know, because you're already fighting with the idea that you don't deserve anything else. Like once you get to prison, it's pretty clear that you don't really deserve to keep going. Mm -hmm. And when nobody replies to your letters and nobody replies to your questions, it kind of, you know, reinforces that idea that, that like you're not a part of this this world anymore like you're just you're gonna be over there you're gonna stay over there and when you get out we're gonna keep you over there and maybe we'll just send you back to prison you know so having someone take me seriously and and take the i don't i don't know maybe it maybe took him 20 minutes to write the letter and it, i mean he had to mail it so that's an extra step but you know just having someone have a little bit of compassion and understanding like hey i am trying you know i'm doing the best i can um it was it was a pretty big deal that i got that one response but the rest were pretty telling too you know like it yeah. they made just as big of an impact as the one letter i got back yeah. you know i don't even know if he realized it you know when he wrote the letter like i don't know if he was just Oh, boy, I got a request. I'm just going to reply. Like, I don't know if he thought of it as his job to just reply or if he thought he was being nice to me, but, like, it was just such a big deal to me. It'd be interesting to know, wouldn't it? I mean, maybe he had someone in his life who had had, you know, or maybe he had some personal experience where he recognized that that yeah. would be an important, important thing to do, but who knows But what I don't the know. impact of something like that. Because it's affirming. It really was. I mean, because it, getting a letter back kind of made it seem like, oh, this person believes that I could do this. Mm -hmm. You know, this person believes that I am capable of, of yeah. And, yeah. 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 And I actually did everything that he, you know, he suggested. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in engineering school right now, yeah. you know. So 
is there anything else that you want to talk about? Anything that was particularly meaningful to you as you've gone through kind of your education and um, anything that you want people to know about your experience? Um, I would say that one thing that was a bit surprising, you know, when I was in prison, I, you know, people talk and, and maybe people just make things up just to have something to talk about. But I always heard like, oh, you know, when you get out, there's going to be all these scholarships and opportunities because you've been in prison. I didn't find any of those, you know, I, like, I don't, I don't, maybe I didn't look in the right places, but I didn't see any extra grants for women coming out of prison and you know like that was part of the reason i had to do school part-time because i had to work you know like there i didn't besides the pell grant which i'm pretty sure goes to everybody with a with a low income you know it, it would have been nice if those things were real like i don't maybe they were never real i don't, I don't know it would have been nice though if you know there actually was a scholarship for people coming out of prison that you know, like could cover, you know, books or mm -hmm. something, you know, something, some kind of help. And I know, I know that you guys were talking about, you know, possibly starting a, a resource center. And I guess when you first brought it up, I was thinking, oh, this is a club. And I just, like, I personally wouldn't have gone to a club, but it, like, if it, I wasn't thinking about it as like maybe someone telling me when I registered, hey, that building over there has an office in it and there's people in there that because there's so many things that you don't think about when you first get out that you don't even know are going to be obstacles like nobody wants to rent an apartment to a felon yeah. <laughs> you know like that's not something i considered when i got out like i'm not gonna be able to find somewhere to live um i mean and luckily for me i came to the zen center and we ended up you know extending the lease personally like we took it over and stayed there but when i left there and tried to find an apartment nobody would rent to me like i wasn't prepared for that there's and you know nobody would hire me and nobody like there was just so many things i ran into that i i just wasn't expecting it would have been some warning would have been nice you know or maybe even some suggestions like hey these people don't mind if you're a felon you know like these people you know will hire you or these people will rent you a room or you know like yeah. so I, I think that maybe that resource group you if somehow when you come in someone could explain to you like this is not just a, like a social club like this is actually going to help you that yeah. that would have been good like it would have been nice for it, would, it just would have been nice to have a little bit more help and i don't want to i mean like everybody needs money but like i desperately needed money <laughs> you know like i yeah. i was just i was struggling so much when i first got out you know i just you know because you don't think about it but you know m most of you not being in prison you know when you when you get out of high school and you go to college or whatever you have the clothes that you were had in high school like i didn't have anything like i didn't have shoes i didn't have socks i didn't you know, like you build these things up over your lifetime that I just didn't have. So it was just, everything was just such a big deal to get and everything costs money and I just didn't have it. And it's hard to explain to people like, 
no, I literally only have one pair of shoes, <laughs> you know, like I, you know, and I really can't afford to get more. Like I just, I can't, um, you know, so just, and now I realize there's like a clothes closet here. I didn't know about, like, I just, I think maybe if there was just some way that like someone could explain, like if you see that someone is signing up for their first class, like maybe if you could just get like a 30 minute session with someone saying, Hey, yeah. These are what these things are for, and this is how you use them, you know. And this is this is maybe what you're going to be looking for, and this is how you find it, you know. Just, mm-hmm. just, just something. Because I mean, I made it, and I'm I, I, I'm appreciative, and it it worked for me, but it certainly could have been easier. So what you know you, you've you when we were talking last week, you mentioned that you haven't seen very many success stories of people once they get out of prison, right? Um, What do you think are the main factors that have contributed to your success? Uh, Stubbornness on my end. Um, And I mean, luckily, I I do have, like, I don't have any family here in Florida, but I do have supportive family. Like, they, they don't have a lot. Like, they're not sending me cash all the time or anything but they are supportive you know and they always you know they always tell me oh well you know you're you're gonna succeed or you'll figure it out or we have faith in you so it's like knowing that other people think that I'm capable has been extremely helpful like it and it does motivate me like maybe some things are going terrible but you know everybody believes that I'll come through so I'll probably come through you know so it kind of gives me that extra motivation um I don't know what it is. Maybe, I don't know how to say it. I'm I'm pretty resourceful, you know. So I am, I notice in other people that I know that sometimes when they hit a roadblock, they just stop. But there's there's something in my personality that I'm constantly looking for a way around, constantly looking for another solution. And, you know, so that's, that's, been I think a big reason why I've been able to succeed because every time I hit a roadblock my first thought is not like oh this is the end you know like my first thought is all right how am I going to get around this how am I going to get through this how do I solve this problem you know so um and and being open with people you know being being willing to talk to other people I've gotten a lot of help but just letting people know, like, hey, you know, I went to prison, you know, this or that, and and sometimes they'll recommend somewhere or something. So I've been, I've been really lucky that I have encountered the right people at the right time, you know, and it's it's opened up opportunities. One of my first real jobs is because you know a friend of a friend knew a position, you know. So, you know, I think you know being open with people has been really helpful. But I don't really know what's causing other people to succeed but i do i do know like in the 12 and a half years that i was in prison i saw a lot of people come back four or five times Mm. and the reason i saw for that is when they went home they were going back to places where 
everyone was still doing the same thing they were doing when they went to prison. Yeah. You know, because they didn't have a community to go to when they got out that was not full of people headed back to prison. You know, so having that, that Zen Center, even though it closed shortly after I got out, having that place to go where people were focused on putting me on the right path, you know, that, that helped me. And I, I know for a fact that it has worked against other people. You know, mm. I, I saw a lot of people just come back over and over again. And and even people that seem like they really had it together while they were in prison. But when you think about it, you know, like all of these things have been taken away from you and you, you can, you know, focus on, on moving forward while you're in prison. But when you go home and you go back to your family that is also doing drugs or, you know, whatever, like it's hard to be that one person trying to move forward in a group full of people that aren't. So, I mean, I think when people aren't succeeding, it's just that they have nowhere to turn, you know, like, and I don't want to say like, Oh gosh, we should all just let a prisoner move in with us, you know, but that they need help. Like people need help and they need, they need to to be okay, like, if they screw up, too, you know? So it's just, I don't know, it's it's hard because there's, there's not really a, a perfect answer, you know? Like, I, I think I just got lucky. I just have a good combination of, of stubbornness and, 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 and support that a lot of people don't have, you know? Like, it's just like a, a mix of, of, landing in the right place at the right time and maybe if i'd gone to atlanta i'd be back in prison you yeah. you never know it could just yeah. be that I'd, i landed at the very perfect time but i i know that lack of support and community is is a big reason why a lot of people don't succeed again i want to thank beth for coming in to talk with us and for sharing her insights on what made her success possible free to learn was made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities and Florida Humanities and generous support from Santa Fe College's Center for Applied Ethics and the Humanities. This episode was produced by Ann Tebow and Lex Shelton. Thanks for listening.